Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 225 is entitled, A Layman's Argument for the Existence of God, Part 2. The Bible focuses on why the universe was created. Science focuses on how the universe was created. My advice to Christians is to look through the Hubble telescope with one eye open to science and the other eye open to God. You will get closer to the truth that way, for ultimately, when science matures, science and religion will come back together, because all laws, temporal and spiritual, operate under one great whole, and all is one with God. God is the author of both temporal law and spiritual law, and he never violates either. Creation is a product of the laws of God. One day we will all realize that studying law and studying God are the same, that we must obey spiritual law in the same way we obey temporal law. All evil is a product of disobedience to law. Temporal law explains the temporal world. Spiritual law explains the spiritual world. Science strengthens the faithful. For example, the Hubble telescope has shown us just how endless and unfathomable the creations of God are. Science, of course, in an inexplicable non-sequitur, turns that into an argument against the existence of God. The entire focus of atheists is to prove that God is not necessary for creation, with the false assumption that if there is a scientific reason for creation, God does not exist. It brings attention to the fact that Satan is cunning, but God is wise. As long as faith exists, the argument for the existence of God will never go away. There is a fundamental flaw in the atheistic argument that God does not exist. The flaw is this. Atheists claim that because God didn't create the world in the way they think it should be created, therefore he is unnecessary. The flaw becomes more transparent, as I will demonstrate, when atheists attribute the origins of life entirely to chance. I will be bold enough to say that if earth was created by chance, and man was created by chance, then God does not exist. The irony, however, is that no matter how high the mountain of evidence proven that neither earth nor man were created by chance, science clings to their theory. They refer to intelligent design as the appearance of intelligent design, or the illusion of intelligent design. When science rejects concrete evidence as illusion, it quits being science. For what else do they build their theories on but evidence? True science focuses on law. Using law to disprove God is like jumping off a cliff to disprove gravity. So, where does science go wrong? They confuse the language of things for the thing itself. They confuse the creation for the creator. The anthropic principle, for example, argues that the existence of things is evidence of the necessity of their existence. It is, of course, circular, as any argument about the origin of things will be. It carries no information. It is science that told us that matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. In other words, matter and energy self-exist. If matter and energy self-exist, it is not a large leap to assume that intelligence, 
consciousness, or life force also self-exist. It is far beyond the powers of science to explain self-existence. Science can never answer why matter and energy self-exist. To say they exist by necessity is begging the question. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't answer why they exist. It merely explains a paradox with a paradox. Is the existence of God reasonable? That's a fair question. Christians would say that his existence is not only reasonable, but self-evident through overwhelming evidence of intelligent design. It is a short leap to say, if there is intelligent design, there must also be an intelligent designer. In fact, it is hard for Christians to understand why everyone doesn't see that. Logically, Christians are on solid ground scientifically and universally acknowledge intelligent design. Christians do, however, disagree on the nature of God's existence. Please permit me to set forth the following explanation. Something cannot come from nothing. Therefore, God cannot create himself. That is universally accepted. Let me carry that one step further. If something cannot come from nothing, then it is not logical to think that God can create other intelligences from nothing. Intelligence either exists or it doesn't. In other words, consciousness or life force either exist or they don't. We can only assume then that like matter and energy, intelligence, consciousness, or life force self-exist. The conclusion is startling, but there is no other logical explanation. All intelligences, including God and man, have always existed. There has never been a time when we were unconscious. Consciousness can have no first cause, or something could come from nothing. That places God in a unique place. He is superior to all other intelligences, but not older. If we accept that, we must also assume that potential self-exists. It follows that nothing can rise higher than its potential. If one intelligence has the potential to reach Godhood, it is logical that others with equal potential could also reach Godhood. In other words, intelligence can increase in intelligence until, like God, one achieves omniscience and omnipotence, and God's role is to help every intelligence who desires to reach their full potential. Fundamentally, then, such things as matter and energy and intelligence and consciousness have no first cause. They can be neither created nor destroyed. The same argument for the existence of God must by necessity be applied to all intelligent beings. God can create our spirit bodies in his image, and he can create our physical bodies after his likeness, but he cannot create our intelligence or consciousness. That means certain things self-exist, such as will, intelligence, consciousness, life force, potential, awareness. Things of similar potential are made of similar matter and energy, for we must assume even intelligence is made of matter and energy, otherwise referred to as light and truth. For such things there can be no first cause, no beginning or end, no creation or destruction. That leads to another conclusion. Chaos self-exists, but laws don't. They must be organized from self-existing matter and energy to bring order out of chaos. And God, being the highest intelligence of all, through the organization of laws, brought order out of chaos and put us on the path to eternal progression, that we may become like him if we choose. Obedience to the laws of God brings order. Disobedience to the laws of God brings disorder. That is what good and evil are. Good represents order. Evil represents disorder. Good represents creation. Evil represents destruction. 
Good leads to freedom and joy. Evil leads to captivity and misery. Without opposites, there would be nothing. That explanation of the origin of things answers the scientific questions. Where did God come from? Where did intelligence or consciousness come from? And what is the origin of life force? The simple answer is, there is no first cause to matter and energy. There is no first cause to intelligence or consciousness. There is no first cause to the life force. There are many Christian denominations because Christians differ on many finer points of doctrine. The unifying factor among Christians is a belief in Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of the world. But let's return to scientific skepticism. Let's simplify things and look at creation from the anthropic point of view, the current theory of science. If you would like to start your head spinning, Google anthropic principle. If you can follow it, you don't need to listen to my humble interpretation. But it doesn't matter whether it is the weak anthropic principle called WAP or the strong anthropic principle called SAP. Both end in the same conundrum. Neither can be falsified because both are a tautology. Other names for the argument against the anthropic principle are begging the question, circular, circumlocution, or paraphrases. The anthropic principle is a form of the French philosopher René Descartes' famous words, coito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. It is brilliant, but it is still circular. It is irrefutable. The anthropic principle goes something like this. I observe the universe, therefore there must be a universe to observe. Granted, it is an oversimplification. The anthropic principle could be stated in many ways. Constants are necessary on the microscopic level, the world we see in the electron microscope. Constants are necessary on the macroscopic level, the world defined by Newtonian physics, or the world we live in daily. And constants are necessary on the cosmological level, or the world of the Hubble telescope. Without the fine-tuning of the universe, life, intelligence, earth, the universe could not exist. However, we can observe particles through the electron microscope. We can observe life on earth with the naked eye. We can observe infinite galaxies through the Hubble telescope. Therefore, they exist by necessity. It is still tautological. It is still circular. It tells us nothing about why there is something rather than nothing, or why constants exist, or why we exist, or why the universe exists. All you know is that you observe it, therefore it exists. I think, therefore I am. I see, therefore, what I see exists. What is the difference? Is observation the cause of existence? Is the earth like Schrodinger's cat? In science, two terms are extremely important. Verification. Falsification. To verify a hypothesis, you search for supporting examples. In inductive reasoning, you go from particular to general. Crow 1 is black. Crow 2 is black. Crow 3 is black. Therefore, all crows are black. Each black crow verifies the conclusion. Inductive reasoning is a powerful scientific tool, but it only creates a useful hypothesis. The conclusion is a universal statement. All crows are black. It is verified by the repetition of black crows. However, it is a tautology. In other words, it is circular. That is to say, it takes the form, all crows are black because all known crows are black. However, 
being the conclusion of an inductive argument, it is unstable because there is always the chance that a non-black crow will show up. In India, all the crows I saw had gray necks. That falsifies the statement, all crows are black. A tautology would be, All crows are black because all crows that we know of are black. A universal conclusion from specific examples, in other words, inductive reasoning, is always subject to falsification. Even the law of gravity arrived at inductively is subject to falsification because there have been no disconfirming evidence and there is not likely to be. We accept it as a law. The anthropic principle, however, is not based on inductive reasoning. It is a true tautology. It is a general statement confirmed by a repetition of itself. It is circular and can be verified but not falsified. It is meaningless. I observe the universe. Therefore, it is necessary for the universe to exist. Of course, theorists use fancy scientific jargon and mathematical authority to support their tautology, thus making it appear very impressive. But it contains no new information. To say, I am conscious of the universe, therefore the universe must exist for me to be conscious of, it contains no new information. You can verify it. But the logical problem is that you cannot falsify it. Let's go back to our crows. The argument can be falsified if only one non-black crow exists. Crow 1 is black. Crow 2 is black. Crow 3 has a black body but gray neck. Therefore, all crows are not black. Inductive reasoning is subject to the scientific method. The anthropic principle, however, presents a scientific dilemma. If a statement cannot be falsified, then even with all the verification in the world, though it is very persuasive, it is not final proof. For example, if you live on an island where all crows are black, you may, through complete enumeration, draw conclusions about crows on all other islands, until experience teaches you otherwise. But what if the argument isn't about crows? What if it is about the origin of life, and you look at the vast universe for validation? The problem is that you can't visit those other islands in the sky. Therefore, you cling to your theory and present it as fact. As I will show in the following podcast, that is what science does in trying to prove that life was created by accident. A universal statement such as, all crows are black, can be falsified by finding just one opposing example. That is the scientific method. Logic has its rules. As with all tautologies, where the major premise and the conclusion are the same, The anthropic principle cannot be falsified. Therefore, strictly speaking, though it may be a valid statement, it is not a valid argument. To be sound, an argument must be both true and valid. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.